You're listening to the Makers and Mystics podcast. This is season 11, episode two. The job of the actor or the artist is to transform, to not perform. And that's so hard for us as artists and as actors because we want to perform and we want to prove. And so I constantly say to myself before auditions, nothing to prove, only to share. Nothing to prove, only to share. Hello, my friends. This is your host, Stephen Roach. And my guest today is Atlanta-based actor, Wynn Everett. Wynn has acted in films such as Justin Timberlake's Palmer, HBO's Doom Patrol, Marvel's Agent Carter, as well as familiar television shows, Modern Family, The Walking Dead, and will appear in the upcoming season of Sweet Magnolias. In this episode, Wynn and I discuss the contrast between performing and transforming, discovering transcendence within the ordinary and what it's like for an actor to take on the emotions of another. Patrons of the podcast can enjoy additional interview segments with Wynn at patreon.com slash makersandmystics. Be sure to see the show notes of this episode for links to today's guest. Wynn, thank you so much for joining me on the Makers and Mystics podcast today. Oh my gosh, it's such a joy to be here. This this podcast has... um actually meant a lot to me over the time that I've spent with it. And I, I appreciate it so much. Well, that just fills me with joy hearing that. And I'm looking forward to talking with you today about your art form and acting, some of your background, the things that inspire you, the things that challenge you. And yeah, whatever else we get into today. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh, that's, that's right. dangerous. <laughs> you never know. You never know where it's going to go. <laughs> totally. So this season on the podcast, we're focusing on art and the urge for transcendence. And what interests me about this discussion is discovering how the arts contribute to this deeply human tendency, I think, that we all have to connect with something much larger than ourselves, to connect with something outside of ourselves. And so I'm really curious to know how that plays out in your own work as an artist and as an actor. Yeah, I love that so much. And I can even think when you're talking about that, I think about some of the most, for me, transcendent experiences that I've had starting, I remember even in high school, being in the theater, sitting in the audience, watching a story unfold and absolutely it transcending me to another place, coming almost, it's in so so many ways, the arts and theater is such a spiritual experience. And I had a teacher in Los Angeles and she used to speak about this all the time. And I love what she said. She always said, the job of the actor or the artist is to transform, to not perform. Wow. And that's so hard for us as artists and as actors because we want to perform and we want to prove. And so I constantly say to myself before auditions, nothing to prove, only to share. Nothing to prove, only to share. Because just as human beings, we have a desire to prove. And the stories that we've seen, especially on film or in theater, when someone walks on stage or they walk into the film and they're transformed into another person. You don't see, you know, you don't see Sean Penn, you see milk. 
Yes. You don't see, they, they've transformed. They're no longer this other person, but something else. And that's so true for the spiritual life as well. It's just this yes. piece of um, transformance and not performance. Wow, I love that. You know, one aspect of the actor's life that I'm curious to learn about is how an actor can reach beyond their own emotional state to embody or to take on, like you're talking about, to take on this other character, to take on the emotions of another. Mm. And I know at least for me, maybe it's just the Enneagram 4 coming out, but <laughs> we tend to be very emotional creatures. Like when I feel something, I feel it deeply. Yes. And so I'd be curious to know for you, when you talk about not so much performing, but transforming, yes. what is that like for you coming out of your own emotional state to take on the emotions of the character you're portraying? Oh, you know, it's it's so amazing. I feel like as artists and as actors, we are such emotional beings. And sometimes to be truthful, when I hear about people having affairs on sets and all these things, nothing shocks me or surprises me because as artists, we are radically open. We have to go to set radically open. We have to go sit down to paint being open. And so we kind of walk through this world, I believe, as artists, um, as creators, as creatives, radically open. The same teacher that I was talking about, she used to say, you must have the skin of the rhinoceros and the heart of a dove. So this like hard skin to be able to take the rejection and the pain and the walking through being so vulnerable, but yet also this open spirit, this open heart constantly for um, the emotional access that we as artists have to have. And I believe it's not just actors. I believe it's painters and sculptors and writers, people that really have to go to an emotional place to access these feelings and these these places. It's It's difficult. It really is. And it definitely can take the toll on the artist for sure. What is that like for you, say, after you've just spent time in the embodiment of another character coming back to your own emotional landscape? What What is that process like for you? You know, it's interesting. When I, I did a show in LA and it was very dark and I remember, and it was quite, it was a, quite a while. I, I worked on it for about six months and, and I remember driving home. And at the time I had my two babies, two very young babies. And, and I would literally speak out loud. I released this and I am releasing this because again, as we open ourselves up, we can't help but take on a, a lot of dark things because so many of the stories that we tell are dark and they're very serious and they're very real. And I believe that we connect to those on a, such a deep level. So it is a challenge uh, for the artist to live. But I, again, the same teacher, she used to say, when you go into a project or when you go into a writing, you go to play mm-hmm. And not to prove, same thing, prove being um, the death of uh, creativity, proving, but to play. And so Mm -hmm. I think that is another thing that has helped me over the years is that we're here to play, we're here to imagine, we're here to live in the shoes of another, but this is not my life. And I go home and I have my babies and I have my joy and I have this. It's, It's almost a compartmentalization that we as artists have to have. And some people do it really well. I do it well sometimes and sometimes not. You know, to have so many file folders open, some people can do that really well. And some people, it's just, it bleeds one into the next and it can be a really challenging vocation in life. 
Well, you said something a couple of times that I wanna get you to lean into a bit, but you said proving is the death of creativity. Mm. And that really strikes me. Talk to me more about what you mean by proving being the death of creativity. First of all, I think that, you know, I talk to young artists all the time that are coming up, people in high school and college that want to get into this business. And I say all the time, do you want to be a storyteller? Or do you do you want to be famous? Do you want to be a storyteller? Like, what do you? And a lot of people say, I really want to be famous. And I love that honesty. Yeah. Because there's a lot of avenues to get there, you know? But to be a storyteller is totally different. It's like a lifelong quest of really living with the fact that there are no guarantees, which is also, to me, such a juxtaposition to a life of faith. There are no guarantees. You know, we can kind of uh, do all the things right. We can do all the spiritual things right and follow all the rules. And then there's still no guarantees. Yeah. Exactly like acting. I mean, I tell people, you may be doing this 10 years, then 20 years, then 30 years, and there's still no guarantee. So it is, is it still worth it? Is it still worth it? And is it still worth the pursuit of storytelling, the pursuit of creating art? If you're not going to be able to prove to anyone anything. Mm-hmm. Is it worth that? Because we, again, as human beings, we love to prove that we made the right career choice and we love to prove that our faith is standing up amongst you know, all odds. And sometimes that just piece of life and that there are no guarantees. And that, you know, I love Kate Bowler, the um, author. She talks about living life without explanation. Mm-hmm. Can you do that? And and can you live a life basically instead of pursuing happiness and pursuing success, just pursuing living in the moment and living in life? And that's changed everything for me because instead of pursuing happiness and success, now I just say, how can I fully live in this grief or how can I fully live in this sorrow? How can I fully live in this role, in this joy, in this incredibly happy season or in this incredibly difficult without having to prove my faith or having to prove my worth as an artist? It's almost like the need to prove ourselves interferes with the creative process because now we're in our heads rather than in the creative space and everything's calculated rather than flowing from that that deeper inner space. It's so true. And my husband, Michael, he's in his later years gotten extremely interested in basketball. Mm -hmm. And so he never played sports growing up. And now he plays basketball about four times a week. He's got a group of guys they play on Sunday night. He's got a group of guys he practices with this time in the mornings and all this stuff. But anyway, he has a quote that he's written up down in his office and it says, the harder you try to play the game, the harder the game becomes. And I've written that down in my journal because it's so true in our business as well, in the arts. The harder harder you try to play, the harder you try to prove, the harder you try to perform, the harder the game becomes. Wow. That's good. That's really good. I love it. Well, following this thread of 
the embodiment of the characters that you portray and this theme of transcendence and the arts and going outside of ourselves, coming back in and everything we've been talking about, you know, it would seem almost a responsibility for the actor if our goal is to live a whole healthy life mm -hmm. to aspire toward a particular groundedness in yourself. Because I think, you know, if I'm gonna take on another character, I need to know who I am. Yeah. So that I can embody this other character without creating confusion in myself, if that makes sense. Yes. And so I know you've mentioned a couple of times as well, just your own spiritual path being an integral part of your creative process. And so talk to me a bit about groundedness, you know, or being grounded in your own person so that you're able to take on some of these other characters. Is that something, maybe it's unconscious, but is that something you experience? Oh my gosh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. And I mean, I think for every single person, it's different. I think some actors and artists are just more grounded in personality from the get-go. I think I became more grounded after I had my children. That, mm -hmm. you know, as you transition into seasons of life, you become... I also um, went through a great, massive health challenge. And after that, you know, my prayers were not about roles or thoughts about what to wear to <laughs> premieres. My prayers were about, please, I just want to see my children through kindergarten. Let yes. me see through high school. So all of a sudden experiences outside of ourselves that we wish would have never happened have this ability to ground us as a human and ground us as an artist in um, ways I, there's no way in a million years I would have ever been able to do that myself. It, it was an out, you know, an outward experience that broke me and grounded mm -hmm. me. And it's also kind of what we all say as artists, you take whatever pain that is not able to, um, whatever pain you're not able to get rid of, you make it your creative offering. And so that sort of inner storm has always helped me so much creatively in the years past that, way more so grounding than it was before. Yes. We talked a lot in the last season of the podcast about the artist as a wounded healer. Oh. And rather than just spewing our pathologies, but allowing our art, allowing our pain to heal into art and to help find release in those ways. So I sympathize with what you're saying that pain and suffering has a way of grounding us yes. that maybe we didn't, we didn't choose. We didn't want... <laughs> but nonetheless. But I mean, and that's what I think such incredible storytelling can do because I've seen films and I leave the theater completely different in my thinking and my feeling. And my, I mean, it's a total, like we started from the beginning, a transcendent experience. Yes. And I don't know where you find that other than the arts. Perhaps in a sporting event can be transcendent, definitely a spiritual event. But for me, it's always been sitting in a live theater. Absolutely. You know, and I think that relationship between transcendence in art and then transcendence in a religious context or a spiritual context, that's something that really fascinates me because on one hand, it creates a lot of tension. There's a lot of tension between those two worlds. Yes. And sometimes they don't always line up in harmony, but then in other times, 
the creative experience is very spiritual and the spiritual experience can be a very creative experience. And yeah. I'd be curious to know for you how those two things overlap. Um, that's hard. I, I actually am going to say again, back to one of my teachers uh, in, in Los Angeles, a different one, but the way that she taught uh, was very interesting. You know, as actors, we really delve into our characters and our backstory and who we are and where we came from and what, you know, we love to eat and all the the things uh, about ourselves. But her process and her teaching, which I loved, was she said, instead of spend that time on who your character is, spend that time on investing in who the person is you're talking to. Where did they come from? What is their backstory? Because who we are informs who we're sitting in front of. And, you know, she would explain, like, take, for instance, me, when I'm with my two girls, I am bubbling and goofy and loving. And and then when I'm in on set, I'm a totally different energy when I'm with a director and it's business and we're getting to work and let's get this done. And again, we're not talking about being different people as far as integrity-wise, but you are of a different energy with who you're in front of. And so I think for me, that's really been transcending is to spend more time looking at the person that I'm talking to as far as an actor, but also in a faith space, because I was thinking about it the other day, just the simplest uh, verse that I sometimes cling to is that God is love. And it's not saying God is uh, like love or God is um, sometimes loving. It's just three words. And if you're sitting in front of that, I don't know how that can't not be transcendent. Mm-hmm. Just love. But if you're sitting in front of maybe what you grew up with, which is a judgmental God, someone that you know didn't like this group or this was bad or that, then I can imagine how that affects you as a human, but also that you don't really want to sit there for too long. <laughs> right. So backing up, I do feel that when I'm able to get my eyes off myself in in both my artistic life and my spiritual life, I seem to be more easily transformed. That tends to go into the whole proving thing again for Mm -hmm. me. It's like when you can get your eyes off of yourself, the striving or the need to prove kind of gives way to the ability to go beyond yourself. And I've often thought about flow. Are you familiar with that term? Yes. You know, just, you know, getting in the flow. It's when we, whether it's an an actor or an athlete, when we're performing above our normal limitations. And that's something that I often aspire to is how do we get into that state of flow where we're no longer in our heads, no longer striving, no longer proving, no longer relying on technical ability as much as our technical ability enables us to go beyond that. Yes. I think, I mean, for every actor is different. For me, it's a lot of sitting and imagining and daydreaming. Mm-hmm. I do a lot of imagining and daydreaming about this other this other world, this other space, these people I'm talking to and the energy of that conversation and the world where I came from and where I'm going. And, and that helps me as an actor get into what I would consider flow. And then I feel like, again, there's so many similarities to the walk and path of faith and then a path of the arts. I I think it's the same thing when you just 
we can talk about this too, but, but growing up, my father was very charismatic. So it was a very busy religion. There were things you did and you claimed and you spoke over and you worked and you, you know, there was a lot of, and there was very little time for simplicity and allowing yourself to imagine just as we said, love or this place or another world or the supernatural and allowing yourself to get into that flow um, mm-hmm. because we as people just seem to be very busy and back yes. to proving. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And again, let me say too, like I'm very aware some artists and people will listen to this as actors and just say, look, I'm not there to prove anything. I just want to make I just want to make rent or I just want to, you know, pay my bills. And that is the, the, like, it's just the never ending challenge of the artist is. Yes. I, I, I mean, I remember those days I lived in a nine by 11 apartment in New York in the West village and trying so hard to just make ends meet as an artist, but still some of those days are the happiest days and memories of my life. Hey, I'll be the first to tell you that paying the bills is a very transcendent experience. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it is. Sleeping indoors in under a roof and eating. Yes, it is transcendent. Well, one question I'd love to ask you You've mentioned your family several times throughout our conversation, your husband, your children. What are some of your greatest challenges being a mother and also a professional actor? Oh, I'm sure that, yeah, I'm sure there are, are, are many different challenges in that, but what, what comes to mind? Oh my gosh, there's so many. Anytime I talk about my family and my children, I start crying and I'm not going to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It is so challenging. And that is the, that's the hard thing for people outside this business. They look at it like it is so glamorous, but it is such a grind and you can be on set for 15 hours a day. And for the most part, you know, we moved back to Atlanta to be close to my husband's family and uh, my family, and I've been able to work a ton here, but I, I really try to stay in Atlanta so that I'm home with my girls because traveling in the artist profession is so difficult. And I've even had my agents say to me, when this is a traveling profession, you got to travel. (laughs) And I just can't at this time. And I just won't. And, you know, I think the best advice anyone's ever given me as far as being a mother and in this business is someone told me, someone gave me this quote and it said, don't trade something that anyone else can do for something only you can do. So if I don't take that role, they will replace me within five minutes but no one, no one, no one will ever be my children's mother, their mother. Mm-hmm. I am the only mother. I am, that is a role that I am irreplaceable in. Really good. Even if something happens to me, even if I pass on, I will be the only mother that they've ever had. And all these other things in life that try to take me away are, I, they can replace me, especially in this business, in two seconds. But as artists, it can get very, you know, my dad always told me success is harder than failure Mm -hmm. because with success, 
you come offers and um, traveling and going and keeping it going and, and continuing this dream that you've always had. And then all of a sudden on the other side, you realize you've traded something that is, you can't get back. Yeah. Wow. I think that's something that artists across the board, especially artists of faith that are walking out a deep rooted sense of spiritual meaning in their lives, that's a really big challenge. It is reconciling art and family, you know? And I go back, I've been thinking a lot about uh, the Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel lately. And he just has a quote, he said, treat your life as if it were a work of art. Oh. And I've been, yeah, I've been saying that to myself a lot lately that I want every aspect of my life to reflect artistry and, and not just the creative parts or the creative expressions of what I'm doing, but I want every part of my life to be a work of art. And that is very challenging, especially when the creative work is so demanding and it can be so time consuming, but so is family and home life and all the different aspects of who we are. Yes, yes, but it is. I mean, I don't know anyone in this business that does not struggle with that every day. That that sense of balance, that sense of priority, that sense of, I mean, you know, I, I recently worked on a show with a girl that was the number one and she was there 15 hours a day, five days a week. And then you're talking about on Fridays, a lot of times in our business, we work overnights. That's the overnight day, which they call a fratter day because your Friday turns into a Saturday. <laughs> and it, the toll, the toll that it takes on you uh, as a human, and then as a mother, and then as a spouse, and then as a friend. I mean, another uh, friend of mine is going to Europe to do some work, and he was telling me, you know, it seems like I'm living the dream. I've got a film, I'm shooting it in Europe, but the thing is, is there's a disruption of the boring days of life where you're just sitting with a friend for coffee or you're taking your daughter for a walk. And all these boring days, you almost are sucked out of your real life for this creative experience and then plop back in and it takes such an adjustment period. And you miss out on these deepening relationships that you have on these boring days. Wow. Going back to our original part of the discussion about transcendence or going out or experiencing the other, it comes to mind that there's a real relationship between those transcendent moments and then what we might call the more imminent moments, or we might say between wonder and the mundane. Yes. And I know even in my own travels, I came up with a practice where I said, okay, I have to learn how to land the plane. Oh. You know, I've just gone out, whether I was on tour, doing music or whatever it may have been, you just had this larger than life experience, but now we have to land the plane so that at home and in the everyday experiences, we can still live with the same integrity and still live with the same sense of wholeness as when we were giving ourselves to this creative act. Oh, it's so true. It's so beautiful. And it's so hard to do. I was talking to the wife, this was years ago, of a, a, an actor that's very successful. And she told me, you know, it's impossible. It's, it's nearly impossible for him to go be on a set. It's number one. And someone is literally there blowing your nose for you. And then come home and take the trash out. Right. As a human, it is a very difficult transition, like you said, to land the plane. 
Yes. But I will say this, after the experience that I had health-wise and almost uh, passing away, when I was so ill, the things that you think about all of a sudden are not the things that I would think about, I, I would think I'd be thinking about. Instead, I remember thinking, oh my gosh, if I, if I could go sit with my husband for a coffee and keep it down and keep the coffee down, you know? Wow, yeah, yeah. If I could just be with my girls for one more walk, if I could just go to the park one more time, and all of a sudden, like, my prayer in life became just boring days. I just want boring, everyday, just time. Yes. Instead of, like, we've talked about these incredibly high creative uh, experiences, which I do also live for, and the transcendence that I feel when I'm working with another actor on a set in a story that I believe in that is incredibly imaginative and transforming. So yes, I, I, I live for those as an artist, but when life gets nitty gritty and it's looking like it could be ending, all of a sudden all I could think about was the boring stuff mm -hmm. or what people would deem the boring stuff, the hard things. Yeah. So maybe here's a question or a statement for us to end on. And that is, so what if the mundane embodies the real transcendent moments? <laughs> you heard it here. <laughs> <laughs> and those, those heightened transcendent moments that we aspire toward and we love, maybe they're just the glimmer. Maybe they're just the outshining. But... Brother Lawrence, if you know who that yes, is, yes. you know, he would agree with me, I think, that he he found transcendent moments washing pots in the kitchen of a monastery. Yes. You know? Yes. And a lot of times I'll say this before I had the crisis, I don't think I would have ever agreed with that. Mm -hmm. But when you do, I mean, it's, it's, it's basically, it goes to, I think, my girlfriend recently lost her father and she told me that she was with him on his deathbed and that he was in and out of consciousness and in and out of consciousness. He was a pastor for something like 40 years. And um, she told he told her, he looked at her right before he was gone completely. And he said, completely lucid, he said, it's so much simpler than I ever made it. And you're right, back to the simple and the mundane. And maybe maybe everything, life is meant to be more simple than we make it. And that's where it's really transcendent. Beautiful. Wynn, thank you so much for joining me on the Makers and Mystics podcast today. This has been an incredible conversation. Oh, and thank you so much, Stephen, for what you do for artists and for just creatives. And I can't tell you how much it speaks to me. And I hope more and more people find this space. Thank you for listening to the Makers and Mystics podcast. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Makers and Mystics and leave us a kind review on Apple Podcasts. We'll see you again next week. And until then, keep creating. The world needs your art.